This is an excerpt from Tear in the Hidden Room, written by Jay Kirby, narrated by Stephen Marsden. In due course, we drew up before a second-rate apartment hotel that was badly in need of a coat of paint. We entered a dingy hall and inquired for Orton. Suite four, third door to your left, droned the switchboard girl. We walked down the hall, which would have been decidedly improved by an application of a mop and some soap and water, and knocked at Orton's apartment. As we waited, we heard the sound of a door closing, and then the shuffle of feet, and presently the door opened a crack, and Orton's nearsighted eyes peered at us from the aperture. "'What do you want?' he asked impatiently. "'A moment's conversation,' replied McKelvey. But at that minute, Orton recognized me and, swiftly retreating, began to close the door. McKelvey, however, was prepared for him, and the closing door met an obstruction in the shape of the toe of McKelvey's boot. "'There's no use trying to keep me out,' he continued sternly. "'Unless, of course, you would like to tell your story to the police.' At the mention of the police, Orton retreated still further, and we followed him into the apartment, closing the door behind us. We found ourselves in a stuffy, gloomy little parlor filled with a lot of ugly, old-fashioned furniture. Orton, who was clad in dressing gown and slippers, ungraciously asked us to be seated, but before we could state our errand, a quavering voice from somewhere in the rear reached us. "'What do you think, Claude?' Who is there with you? it said. You have frightened my mother, said Orton, plucking at the cord of his wrapper, as if undecided whether to go or stay. Tell her it's all right, and that you know who we are, commanded McKelvey, and, without leaving this room, as Orton started to move away, I guess she can hear you from here. Sullenly Orton obeyed, and then, seating himself on the sofa, demanded what we wanted. At the inquest you gave several bits of information which had no foundation in fact, began McKelvey, going straight to the point. You lied and you know it. For that matter, so do I. Now I want to know why. Mr. Davies, of course I know, answered Orton with a sneer. But what right have you to question me? I'm investigating the case for Mr. Davies on the quiet, answered McKelvey suavely. "'And that gives you the right to intrude on my privacy, I suppose?' continued Orton sarcastically. He had abandoned his role of humble still, or rather he was Uriah Heep grown bold through triumph. "'And to force yourself into my rooms?' McKelvey shrugged. "'Really, if you would rather be put through the third degree at police headquarters, it's a matter of indifference to me.' Orton's pallid face became livid. "'Are you trying to frighten me by pretending that you believe that I killed Philip Darwin?' he cried, but his voice trembled in spite of himself. "'No, I'm not pretending any such thing. I know you didn't kill him. You're too much of a coward,' returned McKelvey contemptuously, whereat Orton gave a gasping sigh of relief. "'But I do say you know more of this murder than you gave out.' and a hint to that effect in the ear of Jones will be quite sufficient to bring the police to this place. No doubt you have a telephone that I can use. I'll give you five minutes to decide. But Orton didn't need five minutes. No, nor even ten seconds. 
McKelvey had hardly finished speaking when Orton flung himself forward with clasped hands, his prominent eyes fairly popping with terror. I'll tell you everything, anything, though I declare I know nothing. Only don't send the police here, he pleaded in a frightened voice.